and welcome to another episode of the 55-1 Podcast. I'm Jeff Reuter. Sitting across from me is Dr. Wes Burdine. Doctor, how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm still, uh, still in recovery mode from Los Angeles, but uh, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, we also have with us, you introduced, you're doing the introduction. For sure. The A man who needs no introduction, mainly because we've introduced him like four times before on the podcast. Uh, in Philadelphia, we have Alex Schieferdecker. Alex, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Awesome. Great. So as Wes already alluded to, Wes and I had spent a few days this weekend in Los Angeles for the MLS Super Draft, among other events. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what it was like being there. And more importantly, we'll talk about what came from that for Minnesota United. So we'll look at the three players drafted already. There are There's one more pick for United coming up on Tuesday. So by the time you listen to this, we might have another player. What? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, the third and fourth Fourth, fourth round. Yeah, Minnesota has a fourth round pick, but that's it. So it's going to be a real quick, good, bad, weird to start off as we do our recap of the world's soccer news going into Minnesota United. So we're going to be looking at MLS Superdraft. We're going to be looking at a couple of player signings that are coming down the pipeline, a look at what the roster is shaping up as, because I think we finally have enough players, you guys, where we can talk about a roster yeah. in a concrete sense. Yeah. And then uh, we'll, as always, take some time for some Twitter questions. So uh, anything else you want to say before we get going? No, no. Let's uh, let's kick it off. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back and excited to talk about this draft. But um, we'll start off with Big Quarters with their music. And welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. Jeff, Wes, Alex, Super Draft. But first... We're going to be going through our runaround of the world's soccer news that we call the good, the bad, and the weird. And what better way to talk about the good of soccer than by talking about authentic Mexican food? Well, we're going to talk about El Cholo burritos. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't get a lot of uh, food in Los Angeles, mostly because we were uh, quite busy. But uh, you and I walked around downtown looking for food. Scavenging. Uh, and first... Uh, you you decided to pick the restaurant, and you walked into a fine dining restaurant where they asked, do you want re uh, black or white napkins? And I was like, Jesus Christ, Jeff. That's when you know. That's when you know you get out. <laughs> That's, so Jeff no longer is allowed to pick restaurants. Because uh, uh, then we opened the menu, and it was like, uh, really? Six, $60 gonna, plate, yeah. something like that, yeah. He was like, oh, no, there's, uh, there's people in uh, L.A. Kings jerseys in here. It's okay. I was like, yeah, all right. Anyway, so uh, then we went to a place I picked out called uh, El Cholo. I had uh, a, a food that was just absolutely amazing, and enchilada, seafood enchiladas changed my life. So it was fantastic. Yeah. I had a burrito con carne. It was incredible. All the fixings, knife and fork, that whole thing. Um, we got back to the hotel where the conference was based out of, where I noticed Bruce Arena walking in in his U.S. national team tracksuit. We're going there. Yeah. And um, looked great. Looked like he was proud walking around to L.A. wearing not Galaxy gear. He, well, Bruce is a tracksuit man. I've Always. seen him in a suit before, but he, he's, he's a tracksuit man. And, and Bruce walks in, and I go, Jeff, there's Bruce. And then uh, I said, Jeff, Bruce is walking into the bathroom. And I don't know who suggested it, but eventually, 10 seconds later, you walked right behind him into the bathroom. Correct. For an intimate moment with the U.S. Did national you, did, team manager. Any sword play? 
Um, no swordplay, actually. I was a, it was a tag team effort. So, this wasn't uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport. That's... Yeah. No. <laughs> that would have been an entirely different uh, slate yeah. of ground rules. No, how it worked out was Bruce was in there at a urinal, and the other urinal next to him was occupied. There was one of the dividers in between. So, it, I mean, ended up getting the better end of the bargain, because then Bruce walks out, doesn't flush, and just says, how are you doing? And puts a hand on my back. He hasn't washed his hands yet. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't hear this part yet. Oh, yeah. great. It was, and it was, it was a moment where it's like anyone else, I would have been like, that's disgusting. The shirt's probably going to burn. But with Bruce Arena, it's like, you know what? Those, those piss-drenched hands. <laughs> mm, build a Nate, tell a You've story. Got, there's a little like hand imprint on your, on your jacket that you're never going <laughs> to yeah. wash. Never, ever. Wow. All right. Well, that, so that's the good. Uh, the the bad the bad is a trade that was just announced a couple of hours before we announced, um, and that would be Dax McCarty, who was traded from Rosenball Sport New York to the Chicago Tire Fire for four hundred thousand dollars of allocation money. Um, this actually directly answers a question that had been asked to us on Twitter by Jake Hemish, asking if Minnesota United could acquire one non DP that's already in MLS, who would you take? And it would have been Dax McCarty. I'll be completely honest with you. I don't think there's a single player, when you look at leadership, positioning, and how it would fit into a Heath system, and overall tenacity, there isn't a single player in Major League Soccer that I would have wanted more than Dax McCarty. So I guess my question for you guys, we'll talk about it later, but there are a couple of players who are going to be using some of Minnesota's bonus coupons of allocation money as an expansion process. $400,000. This was one of the big surprises of MLS Superdraft, which is that the league started announcing how much allocation money yeah. is going between teams. So, knowing it's going to take 400k to land Dax McCarty, would you rather have some of these players that are coming in, or Dax? Or is that not a fair question? Well, considering the fact that, um, uh, didn't someone trade for the third spot with $250,000? Was that... Uh, New York traded that to Chicago. Or New no, York other way around. New, New York gave Chicago yeah, $250,000 yeah, yeah. right. for the number three spot, yeah. I mean, that's... the. Uh, I think that Dax McCarty was a steal then, according to that. Um, I, I, I don't. Off the top of my head, I couldn't name a player. Alex, do you have a anyone who you are uh, secretly in love with? Well, uh, Kakuta Mane, I would, I would pay millions of dollars in allocation money for Kakuta Mane, but uh, other than him, I don't think so. Okay. Um, uh, Kevin Molino comes to mind. Yeah. We'll get to we'll get to him later, though. Um, yeah, it is a, it is a, a great deal for Chicago. Um, I think New York fans are going to be uh, they're already going through this very weird thing where um, at the draft the night before the draft, right? Um, it was reported that Jesse Marsh was in Austria interviewing to become the head coach of uh, uh, Red Bull Salzburg. And um, I, I still haven't even caught up and, and read like what happened exactly there. But once once Marsh showed up at the draft, there was a just uh, you know we we saw several journalists. Uh, Brian Strauss was sitting right next to us, and he had his, you know his headphones in, and he's furiously typing away to transcribe the interview that just happened. Um, it was very very weird. I don't know what's going on with New York Red Bull right now, but. Um, this is a so it's bad for them. Good, bad for them. Good for, good for Chicago. I think it works for, for both sides. Um, so I mean, when Dax McCarty got injured this past year, 
they put in this Sean Davies kid who's one of their homegrown players. And he acquitted himself pretty well. And I think that he, the how well he played made McCarty dispensable. So I think that they're clearing space for him, basically. And they're getting paid a good amount of money to, to do it. It makes sense for Chicago for obvious reasons. Now they've got a midfield that's Dex, McCarty, and Juninho, which is suddenly one of the most stable midfields in the league. Um, but I think it works for both sides. I think, I don't know, after the last horrible decision that resulted in a town hall that everyone got mad about and then turned out to be amazing for New York, I, I, I think I think we should give... Um, give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. So you're saying Andres Iniesta is coming to New York Red Bulls, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Great. Let's move on to the weird. I've got two weirds. The first one's going to be a quick roundtable, one-word reaction. New Juventus logo, good, bad, or weird. Wes? I think it's good. It's excellent. Excellent. And I'm going to say weird that they're changing it, but I'm fine with the design of it. Other weird. Previous logo was not that good. No, it it, so. it became iconic purely because it was around for so long. It was just old. And Juventus wins the league every year. This new logo will have tons of memories behind it in no time. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, weird-er and local-er, uh, the NASL is looking to bring in 12 teams for 2018. Um, this is something that I'm going to be putting up. None of this is a major surprise, I don't think, but it looks like the four front runners for expansion right now and barring a major change, the four markets that will be joining NASL in 2018 are Orange County, not Orange County Blues, Detroit, not Detroit City, Chicago, which we already knew, Peter Wilt's new baby, mm-hmm. and then San Diego, which is going to apparently have figureheads that include Demba Ba and Eden Hazard. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, so the thing about the NSCAA convention, which is what um, uh, the MLS draft is kind of tucked into, the NWSL draft is also tucked into, um, is that it's everyone from the from U.S. soccer is pulled into one space. And so we got a chance to run into a few NASL folks, uh, some Cosmos folks. Uh, shout out to Gio Savarisi, who apparently reads uh, 55-1 regularly. Um, but, uh, and it it was kind of great to hear some of the confidence that, that comes from these people. And and of course they're going to be a bit bullish and confident all the time, but, um, uh, you know, I, I also know, I've known some of these people for a while and I know when they're full of shit and when they're not, Uh, I I don't know. The weird part is the ownership groups, right? Dembaba and Eden Hazard does not, does not strike me as people who are, in it for the long run and are willing to lose $4 million a year and be happy with that. No. So. And then looking at it, I don't know. Um, Alex, first off, you're kind of a specialist when it comes to expansion markets for different soccer leagues. <laughs> are the, <laughs> congratulations on that. Are you, are you impressed? Are these four markets that make sense as the NASL looks to gain some stability? I guess so. There aren't a lot of markets left. Um, I mean, and and all of these markets have downsides, right? MLS is strongly interested in San Diego. They're strongly interested in Detroit. They're already in Chicago. You know, L.A. just got two new football teams in the past year and is getting a new soccer team. And Orange County already has a USL team. Um, So all these markets are really flawed. It's kind of funny to me that you still hear nothing about the, the sort of only big markets left in the country without teams... Uh, places like Cleveland and Memphis 
New Orleans. Does uh, Buffalo have have a yeah, Celtics? Buffalo doesn't either. Um, I guess the Rochester Rhinos are the closest um, in that area, the Western New York area. And then you know, obviously Austin is sort of everyone's excited about Austin, except no one can make it happen. I, I just these I don't know these markets are. I guess what the NASL is left with, but it's just kind of weird. In, in in all these markets, it's going to take sort of I think a inspired ownership group to succeed. And uh, yeah, Demba Bond, Eden Hazard doesn't really. Well, I, I I can see I can foresee no path toward the OC, the Orange County team being a uh, being ten thousand people at a game. No, I so. There's that. Detroit certainly could could be successful. I could even see Chicago doing it well enough to get ten thousand people at a game. San Diego could do that as well. Um, the L.A. one or the Orange County one is baffling because even even with all these things coming in uh, or existing, uh, they're coming in at the same time as LAFC. Uh, I mean, if they're looking for any sort of media interest. Every no newspaper will give a flying hell about them. So, uh, but let's say okay. So San Francisco Deltas are also joining in 2017. So let's say you've got the Deltas, you've got San Diego, Orange County. Orange County is able to draw six thousand. Is that a failure or a success? Success. They're <laughs> getting a success, but they're not going to draw six thousand. All right. Well, uh, that that'll do it. That's everything that's happened in the last week in world soccer outside of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. um, I have not watched it. I don't even know what happened. There are, there's still teams, right? I think there are <laughs> the still EPL games. still exists. Great. Yeah. Well, um, let's uh, let's just go straight into draft. We won't even do the music uh, interlude. Um, uh, should we just start with Abu Dinladi and talking, well, talking about? Let's this, lead or? into um, the draft and let's kind of cover the two hours leading up to the draft because. At first, we were under the impression that Minnesota United would be looking at a TAM-level striker oh, that's from right. outside of Major League Soccer. Yeah, at 7 a.m., I uh, pulled out my laptop and, and started penning the story that that um, had been coming to me previously, which is this idea that uh, the, the fact that they're targeting a TAM-level striker from outside of the league was going to throw the draft into confusion for them. It did not throw it into confusion. I'm still pretty sure, I I would say 85% sure, that there is still very uh, significant interest in a TAM-level striker. Um, They just chose to continue and and pick up the best player that they saw um, rather than trade it away or anything like that. And they they had, what was it, how many teams eventually made calls? 20. 20 teams. So who who are the... Who's the one Who's the team? One? Atlanta, right? Atlanta, right. You have to yeah. think it's Atlanta. Yeah. So literally every team was like, hey, what can we do to get number one? Yep. Uh, offering sinful, sinful things in order to get that top pick. And they probably wanted a Bobasi, and they could have, well, maybe not. Yeah. And then, uh, so we get to the convention hall, or the convention center. Don Garber has a, just kind of like a, a, a morning chat about the state of the league, about plans. There wasn't a ton that was announced except for the CONCACAF Champions League changing up a little bit. But suddenly we get word from Alexi Lalas's Twitter. He says, I'm at the Super Draft. Minnesota United's traded their pick. And the two of us are like, oh. Yeah, so we duck out of Don Garber and and then try, start calling everyone we know. And then we find out that that's not true. That, 
<laughs> and then Taylor Twelman tweets out that uh, they traded it to RSL, which I am very oh. confident I know who made that lie up and gave it to Taylor. It wasn't was Taylor. It? it wasn't Taylor Twelman who tweeted that. Oh, it was the guy account. on Twitter who always impersonates uh, uh, famous soccer people. Shoot, I thought I had that guy <laughs> blocked. No, you made a new account. <laughs> oh, I need to go block that guy again. Block him again. That's so stupid. And, and after all of this, after hours of waiting and frantically calling people and assuming that there's going to be a trade and really getting ready to get Dax McCarty for this first pick, instead, what we end up with is Abudin Ladi. Abudin Ladi was often seen as the most talented player in the draft. The uh, knock against him was his durability. However, he's a player who is entirely based off of his speed and his shooting precision, two things that don't really hold up well when you're playing two games in a weekend with a travel day on a bus in between. So that seems like something that can be mitigated by his move to a once-a-week schedule or even a double-game-week schedule. He is about 5'10", I would say, standing next to him. And while he can play on the right wing, talking to Adrian Heath, he made it pretty clear that he projects to be a center forward for Minnesota United. And one of the things that they said about him is that, you know... um, they saw Kyle Lahren, they've seen this guy, and they think that Kyle Lahren has a higher ceiling. Or how did they express Other it? Way. Other oh, way. Oh, no, yeah, Abu Dinladi, I'm sorry, has a higher ceiling than Kyle Lahren. Um, That'd be awesome, though, if they were like, look, guys, <laughs> the other guy actually is better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just be honest. <laughs> and, and people were talking, I mean, if Dinladi had been available in the draft last year, he would have gone first. That was sort of the consensus. So... If he's better than Jack Harrison, uh, if he's better than Keegan Rosenberry, that's great news for Minnesota. Uh, The main problem for Minnesota right now is you have uh, three strikers, and Femi Femi, uh, can play on the the wings as well. But uh, let's say your two main strikers could be very good, but neither of them are proven in MLS. Uh, And so do you need – do you go get a third striker and then – and then all of a sudden you've got three personalities to be dealing with it. It's not it's not I- ideal, but it, it certainly is good getting this guy. I, I chatted. We're gonna um, put the after the end of the segment put um, our interview with Abu Dinladi uh, after the draft, and uh, I-, I thought I found him to be a really uh, well composed. Uh, funny guy so i i am kind of i'm glad about that because some of the code words that people would use to describe him were like uh talking about his mentality and things like that which made me think oh this guy's a head case but he did not strike me as a head case at all and you were so enamored by him wes you wrote a song right oh yeah no uh i think this is schieffer decker wrote the song which Schieff, is, would uh, you like to sing it then no i don't know what you're talking about Abu Din Ladi and he'll score if he wants to. Oh, that's score. Kyle. Kyle wrote that. Oh, yeah. Kyle Eliason. Sorry, Kyle Eliason, also a 1551, wrote this. You would cry too if he scored upon you, etc. Um, it's a good one. Yeah. So that's round one. Round two, uh, United with the 23rd pick selected Alec Farrell, who was a goalkeeper for Wake Forest. The, 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 are they the Demon Deacons still in soccer? Or is that just... Yeah. I have no idea. Okay, great. Uh, so the Demon Deacons won the 2016 ACC tournament, uh, but they did it without him. He was injured in the semifinals with an injury that's actually going to take him out of March and April of this coming year. So to answer United Loons at 
MN United FC loons. Do you expect Farrell to be our starting goalkeeper? No, I do not. For no. a few reasons, that injury is one of them. Another one, you just don't really start rookie goalkeepers. Yeah, I, I, I mean, even Andre Blake um, had to take a couple of years and, and get ready for for starting in MLS. This guy, Marius Rovdi, who is the secret uh, goalkeeping coach who has not been announced, um, I, I spoke to him and he said, this is a guy he had been watching even when he was at, in Vancouver and he think, thinks is the best uh, keeper uh, of this year. And uh, the reason he went so low is that uh, he wasn't part of the combine and he was injured for the final. And so they were kind of like, I guess people have terrible memories. Uh, so <laughs> Yeah, he had eight clean sheets in 16 games this last year. So so I think that's a, that's a good pickup as well. Yeah, the people who at least who know about college soccer, most of them seem to say that this guy was one of the top, top two goalkeepers in college soccer. They backed up Marius's opinion. And and unlike the other one, Eric Klonowski, who had just an absolutely horrible combine, um, so in this case maybe Farrell benefited from from not from not being at the combine because Klonowski's stock absolutely plummeted because of how poorly he played there. The last pick is a, a Frenchman, Thomas Viardi, who um, played at uh, University of Delaware. Also, was not part of the um, combine. I still I still have not spoken to anyone about this yet did you talk to anyone well i talked to uh adrian who had said that amos was really high on him um alex you watched his own self-produced highlight reel which has about as much viability as a bill edwards mixtape of fouls but um alex what did you see from deviardi is he someone who you think could be contributing in a year or two well i uh, so highlight videos are always obviously really selective but i think it's i don't know i, I think you can learn something from what what is shown and 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 he, one of the things that's pretty clear is that in, in in basically all of these clips, when he receives the ball, he know what's he knows what he wants to do with it before he gets it, and his first touches basically are uniformly excellent in this highlight video. And the other thing he does is he seems to hit a pretty good deep deep ball, a good deep sort of cross field switch. That's valuable to me. In the video, he's he's constantly as a D mid. I guess they also like him because he can play as a fullback. But I think that he would be a fine backup to either Colin Warner or whoever is signed as the defensive midfielder. I think that I think he's yeah. a, you know he's a late second round pick. He has a decent chance of making a roster. Yeah, or be sent on loan to a USL team. <laughs> um, so that's that's the draft. Uh, it, it was kind of a, a blast and whirlwind. Uh, did you any any other f- final notes about the the draft from either of the two of you that that come out? We should probably talk about Minnesota United's trade, shouldn't we? Uh, Minnesota United oh. had acquired in the so when Chicago Fire brought in Janino on the allocation order, they had to trade up one spot with Minnesota United, and as a part of that, they Minnesota United got Chicago's natural second round pick, which was the twenty fifth overall. Minnesota United then flipped that to Philadelphia for the 42nd overall pick, so the 20th pick in the second round, as well as $50,000 of allocation money. Um, does anyone want to fancy a guess at what $50,000 of allocation money is worth, besides $50,000? Besides uh, one-eighth of Dax McCarty? Um, yes. <laughs> well, on, on, the, on the stream, Ziggy Schmidt thought this was chump change. He really was not impressed by the deal. Um, I don't know. 
I see it's future remem- allocation money. It's not just it's not allocation money this year. It's allocation money next year. Um, well, one thing I will say: Minnesota United's made great use, or a lot of use, of their extra allocation money going into 2017, and obviously a lot of that will be lost. Uh, when they aren't the expansion club, the new kids on the block anymore. So I think part of that is just kind of building up a reserve for the future. As far as comparison, I believe, I don't remember which team it was, apologies, but somebody had traded down two slots in the first round and got $100,000. So when you look at the fact that it's basically a third round pick that they're acquiring as well, I think 50000 is at least to scale with what other teams were getting. But of course, this is all brand new to us, so we have no well, idea yet. The fact yet. is, they didn't want they, the player they wanted to take they knew was going to be available. They could have taken whenever. And so they got free money for it. I don't really care. Ziggy shouldn't, can kiss my butt. Well, um, and the allocation order resets every year, right? So yeah. So they've traded, essentially, with this deal with Chicago and then with the union, they've basically traded something that they're not, that's very, um, that's very temporary, which is their allocation ranking, in exchange for money in the like money next year, so to me that's great. They got something yeah. guaranteed in the future for something that wasn't guaranteed in the future, and they're already back to the same position too in the allocation rank because yeah. Chicago used their spot. So works hey, out yes. well. So um, moving on to just general Minnesota United news. Uh, last I don't even know when it was. Rasmus Schuler, this uh, Finnish uh, midfielder who's reported that he is going to sign uh, for Minnesota United. That That's almost complete. I think it's probably complete by now um, and will be announced soon. He's a guy who was born in uh, the fantastically monikered Espoo, Espoo uh, Finland, and now he plays for BK Haken in, uh, in Sweden. Um, uh, uh, any thoughts on this guy? We seem to be paying quite a bit for him. Um and yeah. he what what did we what did you guys hear he he was a very he played with one of the best playing teams and one of the prettiest playing teams in Sweden and yeah the, so Jeffrey Carlisle reported that uh, it's about a $750,000 transfer fee um which won't make him a dp because they're going to pay it down with tam money um yeah i've i've actually spoken to a couple people who um uh have played against him or their friends played with him and everyone talks about him as a really creative guy um not not particularly bulky on the ball but you know this kind of steven gerrard uh, type role and uh, really good with his feet he's a left-footed primarily but he plays with both feet uh, I, i'm pretty excited about him uh, i know the team uh, is is pretty optimistic and and excited about him so you know, basically, it's a, it's a he is a DP level signing, but they're not calling him that because they get to they have this all this extra TAM money because it's because they're an expansion team they have a, a huge wealth of TAM money. Yep, from the league too, so it, they might as well use it. Um, it's it's very similar in that sense to the Calvo signing. So I think both of those are like fringe DP type players who are they're able to get for less than DP level. So for all the people who are asking why we don't have DPS, we kind of have two. Um, Let's talk about another move. Uh, we'll talk about how Rasmus Schuler could fit into Minnesota United in just a little bit here. But first, let's talk about a little bit of the Kevin Molino madness that we alluded to in the first good, bad, weird section. It uh, came across the wire from Ivis Galarsep that Minnesota United had apparently been talking with Orlando for uh, about acquiring 
Kevin Molino, the winger who had been the USL MVP in 2014 and moved with the club in 2015, tore his ACL, recovered, and had a pretty good 2016 as well. Seems unhappy with his contract. And well, he's yeah, he's not making much money, and he is very obvious to everyone a co- very quality player. So yeah, so he it sounds like about five hundred thousand dollars of allocation money was offered according to Paul Tenorio, but it sounds like the deal was rejected by Orlando when Adrian Heath was asked about his interest. In Kevin Molino, his response was, news to me. And then he, I don't know, took a puff of his cigar and started chuckling. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know how much to talk about this because it doesn't sound like it was a very serious offer besides maybe just kind of putting the feelers out there. But um, Why not? I mean, they offered more right. than for Dax McCarty. Right. <laughs> that seems to me like a pretty... I don't know, you know, how much... Because we we don't usually see this, how much is being offered in this allocation money, this we we don't we can't really contextualize this. We can contextualize it only within Dex McCarty, and it seems like a pretty pretty substantial offer. Uh, I think Orlando are stupid not to take it. I guess because they 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 need cap space, and so but well, that's 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 what came out of the Paul Tenorio article, which is that. No matter what, you, whether Orlando are stupid or not to not take this, they're, they're just stupid, period. They've made some, like, really horrible personnel decisions. They're, they've got this problem with this defender, David Mateus, and they're paying him too much money, and they don't want him to keep him around, but they can't offload him, and he doesn't want to go anywhere. And, and so as a result, they are, like, Christian Higuita and, and, uh, and uh, Kevin Molino are sort of unhappy really young unhappy stars who are just sort of getting marginalized by by uh by Orlando because they're paying these these sort of older players. Uh one question that comes from Austin Lloyd on Twitter is any word on the three to four players coming down the pipe who those who those people are. That was that which article That was, was Adrian. That? Adrian had mentioned that in his video interview with MLS. Okay. Um Word uh, whispers, but I think that some of these players will be the the former NASL guys too, um, which then leads into our next question from Matt Pravrovsky, which is asking Matt Pravrovsky. I butchered that at first. Any NASL loon players have a shot at getting picked up? Um, this is something that's been kind of alluded to in a couple of articles, some by us, some by the Pioneer Press, over the last month or so. But there are players who are still kind of on the wish list for Minnesota as far as bringing them along to next year. Um, we've got a center back. Well, I mean, Brent is going to happen, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty confident that Brent is going to happen. We've seen enough articles of Ibsen saying that he's coming back to Brazilian press. So let's just say Ibsen's coming back. And then the other two we, we hear about are Bernardo and your, and, uh, Ish Jome. Um, and very different situations there. Bernardo on yours contract, he actually signed a deal through Major League Soccer that goes through the end of 2017 or 2018, which means he's already getting paid by the league. It's just a matter of Minnesota United saying thumbs up, thumbs down, him looking for another club. So I would assume with the need for numbers and the fact that he's used to Minnesota and he's played in Columbus and whatever, <laughs> uh, I would assume that Bernardo on your will be a part of Minnesota United's roster. Um, Ish, meanwhile, would be something of a probably a league minimum ish level player who would either develop with Adrian Heath or would be loaned out to somebody. Yeah, he's another guy who'd who'd be at a USL team. Yeah. So then uh, taking a look at AJ Tabura's uh, at AJ underscore 
GIF, GIF, I'm going to assume. Uh, what formation do you think we'll use and what positions can our current players play? So let's kind of run through. I mocked up with the players that we have what I think could be uh, formation based off of the players that we've talked about today. Um, and this is a game that Alex Schieferdecker and I play quite a bit throughout the offseason, which is giving updates based off the rumor mill, things that we're hearing in whispers, etc., um, what we think United could look like. So I've got us lined up in a 4-2-3-1 of sorts, um, where you've got going left. We have a goalkeeper, which we haven't signed yet. Here's a ferret for you guys who tweet questions about that. Um, left to right, left back Justin Davis, uh, Francisco Calvo, uh, Vadim Demidov, and Kevin Venegas at right back. And then we've got a double pivot of Mohamed Saeed and Rasmus Schuler. You've got Johan Venegas as a number 10 slash second striker. Miguel Abar on the left wing, Abu Dinladi on the right wing. I know that Adrian Heath said that he'd be a target forward, but for the sake of discussion, I'm putting him at right wing for now, kind of like Jordan Morris was doing in Seattle. And then Christian Ramirez up top. Um, Alex, you've made one of these after the Super Draft. How much does it differentiate from this? Um, it's basically the same. Um, obviously, Dinladi may not be right wing based on Heath's comments. Um, I think that I, I really would like to see Saeed and Schiller play in midfield, but given what we know about both players, neither of them are particularly physical, particularly, I don't know, tough. And I'm worried about that defensive midfield getting bullied a little bit. Um, but then again, I don't think we've signed Colin Warner yet, so I really don't know what other options we have in that position. Um, so, but that's how it looks like to me. And, and I think the formation question is just Adrian Heath is famous for 4-2-3-1, so I think we'll play a 4-2-3-1. Um, I, I mean, the formation I would create is just who we know would be a who we would expect to be a starter on day one. And that's, I don't think you have starting fullbacks yet. You've got the two starting center backs. You've got one starting midfielder with Schuler and Saeed behind him. You've got Ibarra on the left, Christian up top with Dinladi subbing in. You have no right wing. You've got Venegas, and I still would like another number 10. So I think you still have a long way to go. So let's talk about that a little bit, especially with the fullbacks part. Dane Bernardo at Dane Bernardo asks, Why so much talk about the team needs at left and right back? Are J.D. and Venegas not thought to be starters, or are they changing positions? Um, Wes, you kind of alluded to this, so I'll let you go first. Ju- uh, I just want to say this. Kevin Venegas is not a right winger. Please. Mo- let's move on from there. Uh I don't. I honestly don't know what the team thinks. I don't think that they're. Uh, I, I mean, if I think that we need starting uh, fullbacks, I, I, I don't think that. I think it's a big gamble taking these guys and expecting them to to start and and get us through a season. If we do that, then we're we're risking quite a bit. Alex, do you have any deeper thoughts about that? Uh, I think that both could make it. Um, I don't know if both will. But I, I think that both can. I mean, in, in the U.S. Open Cup games we've had, whatever, they haven't looked horribly out of depth. Um, granted, those were U.S. Open Cup games. But I, I think that Venegas and Davis can play in MLS. Um, but, I, but I absolutely would like to see, you know, starter quality backups at those positions. Absolutely. It's... Just going into the season with only those two is uh, pretty clearly not a tenable sort of setup. Yeah, I should, w- I should also say that Suni Saad is being uh, uh, linked to the club via um, Andy Grader. He had written that article. 
I, I'm not too high on Sunni side, but I had a chat with Simon Vorg from uh, MLSsoccer.com, and he really likes Saad. So that made me feel better, because I, I, I haven't watched Saad that much, but I was never impressed when I saw him. Sure. So. Um, but going back to the fullback question, just kind of some closer, I guess all I would, Saad wouldn't play fullback. He'd be a left winger primarily. Um, I think that you absolutely cannot walk into the season. We saw this last year where Davis and Venegas were the only two fullbacks and one of them got hurt. The other one got a red card and the team really <laughs> suffered because of it. And that was against NASL competition. So, uh, there's no way that they can be the only two. I think both of them deserve a chance to compete for starting minutes. But yeah, if they are your rock solid, these are our starters, guys. Uh, I think that that's uh, kind of a, a fool's wish. Um, so then I guess Jake Hamish's second question here, top three needs with a week before the preseason. I'm going to go ahead and say the obvious one, which is we need to start in goalkeeper there. I said it. Hold your ferrets, guys. A healthy goalkeeper. Um, a healthy goalkeeper who can start in Major League Soccer. That is by far uh, a need. I'm not going to say the biggest need, but that it, well, it, yeah, it's the biggest need because there is no one else. Unless you, <laughs> unless you throw in like six foot six Joel Greenspan because he's big and hope that people shoot directly at him and his size. So um, that's my need that I'll suggest. I'll let each of you suggest one more need and we'll call it good. Alex, what's another need for the club? Yeah, we need a, we need someone who's actually a right winger. If they don't anticipate putting Denlati on the wing, then we need somebody who is a right winger uh, to play that position. And Wes, I'll give you the burdine of coming up with the third. One, haha! Wow, that's I actually don't even want to talk to you anymore after that one. I I think that I would like another number ten, but I think the most important thing is, and I'll, I'll just steal what you always harp on is we need um, someone who's better at holding and tackling in the midfield because if you've got if you're not going to rely so heavily on a number ten doing that passing and you've got this great vision of Saeed and Schuler. Uh, you could put Saeed and Schuler up and have them pass and have a, a, a hard man in behind them. You need someone who can hold that hold that position well. So. I completely agree with you. And this goes back to the opening point about Dax McCarty, which is if you're going to be having kind of a fluid attack like Heath always likes to run, and we have the players who can do it, looking at the likes of <laughs> Johan Venegas, looking at Miguel Ibarra, at Abu Dunladi, these guys who can kind of play all over the front third of the pitch, you absolutely need somebody who's just going to be an absolute bastard at that number six position. I think it's the most important position right now in Major League Soccer, and it's something that we've alluded to. Both of the guys who we've got in our central midfield are more of those number eights. So it's going to be important for them to have someone like that. I think we should uh, gonna... offer Orlando money for Christian Higuita. <laughs> That's what I want to do. How much money? Let's just be totally arbitrary because we can. How much money? We're going to say $50,000 in order to trade down 20 spots in the draft. You've got $500,000. Oh, I'd, I'd offer I'd for same as Danks McCarty. He's younger, but he doesn't have the proven leadership. $400,000 in allocation money. Sure. Okay, great. I'm going to take uh, slightly under, but fair enough. Um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to queue... Wes and my interview with Abu Dunladi. This is right after the end of, I think, about the first round here. So he's had a chance to kind of let it sink in that he's coming to Minnesota. He's talked to Taylor Twelman. He's talked to uh, MLS Soccer. And he took the time to take, I think, what, seven minutes, eight minutes, whatever, to talk to us. So we're going to play that. And then you're going to hear the music. Thank you, Big Quarters. And then we're going to come back with some more Twitter questions. So uh, stay tuned. So, uh, you mentioned uh, in your speech, you talked about 
your family your, your family was not able to be here. Um, how, how difficult was that going through? It's a pretty big moment in your life, and and you know not being able to have your your family here, I'm sure is is uh, disappointing and frustrating. Well, uh, it, it was. It, it was sad. I mean, when uh, I decided, my, I mean, before I, tr I tried to, when I started the process and trying to get a visa in Ghana or in Africa in general, it's hard to come to the United States. And uh, when I talked to them about it, they said the window is small. And I was like, I'm going to hate myself for if I didn't try. So, I mean, going in, I knew there was like a chance they were not going to get it. And when my brother called me and said we didn't get that, we got denied a visa, I was like, well, I mean, I was really bummed about it, and I mean, I've been here and I played at UCLA, and my mom wasn't able to. Uh, my mom and my brothers weren't able to uh, witness that, and my family back in Ghana never was able to witness any any success that I've had in the United States, and I wanted them to be here for this one. But I mean, life goes on, and I, hopefully, I'm able to get them to come watch a game in Minnesota or somewhere in the United States in the future. And that's something I'm going to be working on, and I'm going to make sure uh, I'm going to push and push till I uh, work it out and get them here. Uh, you had some some trials over, in, or you trained with was it Chelsea? Yeah, and a couple others. Were there any other clubs that were looking at you? Uh, I mean, I mean, there's. Uh, I talked to some people and asked what's your plan. I think many players get that. Uh, you get like a, a call, you get an email, you get a text saying, "Oh, yeah, we can take you here, we can take you there." Uh, and I got the opportunity. Uh, the Chelsea scout, Jorge Avio, scouted me and said, "Well, I will take you to Chelsea when I was like in high school." And I mean, it's a great opportunity. And playing in Europe, it's every kid want every kid want to play there, uh, and every kid want to. And for me, I just want to see the level of player. I am testing myself against uh, all these other players, and it was a great opportunity for me to go there and show, to see what type of level I am, and I did that, uh, and it was great. And uh, I learned a lot from the process, and I learned uh, a lot from the community and the team as well, and something I added to my game. Uh, what team that reached out to you surprised you the most? Like the, either the email, the call, whatever. You're just like, wow, this team. Uh, well, I mean, Jorge was like, he's uh, also it's now a Manchester United scout, and he said, well, he talked to the team and said, oh, he's gonna bring me out for a trial again, and they they wanted me to come, and I mean, I've gotten team, uh, uh, I got the opportunity to go to Bayern as well. For a trial uh, last year, but in terms of school and the time when I wasn't able to do that. But I mean, they're all great teams, and I mean, you have to go there and show the type of player you are. And I was willing to do that, but sometimes things doesn't work out your time window and everything. So I mean, I'm glad I got the opportunity to do the Chelsea thing and all the Europe uh, trials I did. Uh, but it was great. Sure. You did the, the. There's always the interview process that happens with with the clubs and with. Sure, Adrian Heath and, and Manny were probably part of that. Um, and th that, I guess, is a chance for them to figure out who you are mm -hmm. and your personality and maybe you to figure out who they are. Yeah. What, what, do you, what's your, um, what do you take away so far about the club and what, what your interactions well, with them? Well, first of all, I mean, I heard about Adrian Heath. Uh, he, he has a good, great reputation, played in Europe, uh, uh, know a lot about the game, and... When he was at Orlando, uh, they got Carl Iron, mm -hmm. really, and he made, turned him into an even better striker. And 
I was I was just blessed to be in the same room as him and him asking me all these questions and that was uh, that was great and uh, I, I, he 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 knows a lot about the game and he says something about well I, I didn't know I was gonna go to Minnesota but he says something like we we will enjoy having you uh, but most of the players who have succeeded in the highest level is just because they wanted to be where they wanted to be yeah, yeah. Uh, and I know, I know there's Maybe some people will say, "Well, oh, Minnesota is cold and all. It's all part of the game. It's just it's just aspect of the game that you have to deal with, and it shouldn't be a problem at all if you're a player and if you're 100% dedicated into doing what you want to do." Uh, and I'm really excited. And when I talked to him, I was like, "I heard I talked to him. I said to him, I heard you're a great strikers coach, and I mean, I'm a striker and I want to improve and I want to play and I want to be able to score goals and yeah. uh, and." It would be great to have to work with you and show me how to do that uh, even more. And uh, I was really excited. And the, the off season is during the winter, so you can always just leave. Uh, December and <laughs> true, January. True, so. true, true. Uh, well, and I, I heard it's really beautiful in Minnesota yeah. during the summer, and yeah. it's really exciting. Well, um, just uh, I just have one last question. You know, you've got training camp starts up in a week and a half or yeah. something like that. What is it? What is what do you do between now and then? Do you well, get to finally put your feet up? Or, uh, or yeah, I mean... Start Googling Minnesota where you can... I'm probably going to do a lot of that tonight. Yeah. Uh, but also, I'm going to I'm gonna go back uh, to campus, uh, UCLA, and yeah. say thank you to a lot of people who have helped me be here back yeah. home in Santa Barbara, back in my high school, and uh, get the time to do that. Because, I mean, it's been a long journey. Yeah. And a lot of people have helped me come here. Yeah. I didn't get here by myself, and I couldn't have gotten here by myself. Uh, so I need to go out, and I need to say uh, thank you to all these people. And I know they're really excited back home yeah. in Ghana and in Santa yeah. Barbara. Mm-hmm. So it would be get be a good opportunity. And from there, I'm 100 percent in it and yeah. <laughs> get ready to work. One last question too. Uh, you mentioned Heath, great striker coach. Uh, you played a little bit on the wing at UCLA. Yeah. You, do you think that's something that you'd be wherever I, you want to I put told you? Him, I told him, I was like, hey, coach, I mean, I work for you now. You tell me what I do. Uh, I'll do exactly what you tell me. And he has an eye for a game, and he knows the type of player I am. And he, if you think I'll, he'll make me a good winger, uh, I'll play in the wings. Even if you say, I'll put you right back up. Like, so it doesn't really matter, you know. Uh, I'm yeah. really excited. To be even just get the opportunity to play in this great league, uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, and also, just just that I went number one doesn't mean I'm going to play. There's only already players at Minnesota who've been playing there for the longest time, and it's, I need to earn my spot. And um, that's what I'm going to be there for. Uh, work hard uh, and get closer and closer to my dream. Uh, and trying earn my spot because game in game out if it doesn't work if you don't work out you don't play and he's that type of coach and uh, I know that and I'm really excited to play for him. We don't have any goalkeepers right now so maybe maybe well, if you can play goal. I will play goalie as well. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Thanks so much. Good luck. You, we'll see you. Welcome back to the 551 podcast. I'm Wes. I've got Jeff with me, Alex in Philadelphia. Um We've been racing through the news. There's a lot of news, and so um, now we get to uh, put our feet back and just deal with Twitter questions. Let's start with this one from Kyle Eliason. Who should I challenge to a duel over the loons passing on Shamit Shom with their second pick in the second round? Uh, I mean, Alex, you should probably take this because 
the the Canadian General Adidas player uh, dropped, 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 and was finally picked way late. And you you were upset about this, Alex? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a nineteen year old with professional experience. He played for the best. He's defensive midfielder who played for the best defensive team in the NASL, and he's basically free against the cap because he's Generation Adidas. So, and he's not an international. So I, I don't really get passing on him. I like the guy they picked up. I like Daviardi, and they clearly don't rate Chom very highly. But um, to Kyle's question, who did who to challenge to a duel? I think that you should probably challenge. Uh, well, I was going to say Manny, but but I don't know who who would be the funniest uh, assistant coach to challenge to a duel. I think Amos I McGee. Not, well, I would I would not challenge Marius because apparently he's former uh, uh, Danish special forces. So I would Norwegian, also not. Yeah, yeah I would. Nor- is he Norwegian? He's Norwegian. Yeah, he's Norwegian. Yeah. Norwegian. Oh, Norwegian I would not challenge Mark Watson either. There isn't really a single like easy pick against the coaching staff so don't kyle, challenge them to a duel <laughs> no kyle what i would do instead is just accept it say we do not have shamit shown yet maybe just maybe we'll get him someday and uh i don't know play with your raspberry pie or whatever I, I you mean, do p- the talking to a lot of people there coaches not not coaches uh, th- they just thought that uh he's a good player but he we've seen his ceiling and so why not go for someone who you think has a higher ceiling for for all these and that seemed to be the general attitude from from people out there. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. I I'm not as in love with Shamit uh, as other people, but I do agree the whole generation Adidas thing making him a uh, first of all not international. He doesn't count as an international, and he doesn't count against the cap. To me, it's like well, you could take a flyer and you might have Harry Ship Jr. on on your hands. He's but. 19. Like I don't think you've seen his cap. I don't think you've seen his ceiling yet. I don't know. You'd hope not. He's young. Uh, the the culture vulture at T Culture Vulture asks, "What's the advantage for the club not announcing assistant coaches already hired slash working when the fans are starving for any news?" Um, I think it was just some paperwork holdups. I don't know. Yeah, it will be announced. I think this week. Yeah. I think what happened is that uh, someone's paperwork wasn't fully signed. They wanted to just announce it all together, so they just delayed. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's very weird. I, I've harped on this. I, I've talked to everyone, made fun of everyone at the club to their faces about this. Um, so, especially, you know, I even interviewed Marius and said, I know that you don't exist yet, but... You know. Here we go. So uh, Isaac CH at MN Lunar asks, does Minnesota United FC have to partner with a USL club this season, or are they exempt since the plan leads to Rochester, Minnesota currently? Uh, this is referencing a, an article that Brian Corsett put out last week for 55-1. Check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, but Rochester, Minnesota, home of the Mayo Clinic, is the current um, front runner to be the USL side. Is there a r- rule in MLS that says you have to have a partner? I don't think so. There are teams yeah. that haven't believe switch every year yeah so i think i don't think there's like a rule that's holding them to it um i don't get that impression from the club and so i i mean they might just not have a partner and might just loan out players to whichever club that wants the players uh which seems like makes more sense i mean if you've got um let's say you've got joe dvrd and some other guy 
one of those players your USL affiliate might really want. The other two they may not know what to do with. So why not yeah. send them to an NASL club or whomever where they can actually develop? That makes a lot more sense to me. So No doubt. Uh, Nathan Duin says, uh, is the latest Tribe Called Quest their best work? Uh, no, Low-end theory. Next. Okay. There we go. You, you you know that group more than me, but there you go. that that is a reference to the fact that uh, uh, Sam Stekel, uh from MLS Soccer was embedded with the team, sat at their table during the draft. I was very jealous of this, by the way. Uh, but he he had some in his article that he wrote, which everyone should check out at, at, on MLS. Um, he uh, I guess at one point. Uh, Manny, there was Tribe Called Quest uh, jamming in the background and Manny was kind of nodding his head and then started talking about how he was that was one of his top five bands of, of all time So, Who knew? Um, at uh, Sir Eugene 11 Spencer Hansen asked, any update on Mark Dayton's tax proposal or any stadium update in general? Uh, this is actually another one of the Brian Corsett trifecta that came out last week. Uh, basically it's going to have to start over as far as the tax portion of it um, check that out on fifty five one. But um, yeah, with the session starting up, uh, stay tuned to that. Who knows? It, but it it's gonna be going throughout the. It, we'll ask again in May. Yeah, fair. Uh, this is from Edu Rosales, who's been on this show. Uh, he he sent me an email and said, uh, he said it's a long one. Gold Cup is to be played between July seventh and July twenty sixth, while the MLS is going on simultaneously. During that time, three home games are played by Minnesota. Uh, Houston, New York Red Bulls, D.C. United, all at home. Uh, The Gold Cup could also include another home game on the 4th of July against Columbus. Um, All teams, all of these teams may lose key players or depth during this uh, three or potentially four game period. Um, so will playing at home during those three to four reduced personnel games provide any advantage to Minnesota? I would say as much as a usual home field advantage might. Um, the, I think the bigger advantage, and I do touches on this already, um, is just which team loses more players. Uh, we know that Calvo and uh, Johan Venegas are very likely to be called into the Costa Rica national team. Uh, we know Christian Ramirez is going to be starting up top for Bruce Arena's um, piss-covered <laughs> hands. And... Um, so yeah, that's well, three. Well, right Houston there. are yeah. like the Honduran national team right now, so yeah. they're gonna they're gonna lose a lot of players. It probably does benefit Minnesota because of what he mentions, which is that players who are leaving to go to their camps might leave a little bit later because of because they're at home because they're not traveling with their team. That's about all I can think of. Hmm. Sure. Uh, last question so, comes. Oh, well, I want I want to actually ask about that because we didn't touch about, uh, on the schedule. Also came out last week. Um, we put up an article, kind of diving into it. Uh, but did, what what stood out to you guys about it? There's the eight or nine televised games at home, uh, which is pretty pretty big. Um, anything anything else? Yeah, it's like really inconvenient for me. <laughs> of oh, really? the oh. of the games in D- I could I saw easily from Philadelphia I can get to games in DC, Philly or New York and there's only one of those games in the entire That's year. And I was really thinking about doing a road trip to Toronto and that is the day before my graduation. Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> the is going to work. All, no one goes to their master's graduation. Yeah, maybe not. Uh but 
Uh, Thanks, yeah, the, and the, the New York game is on a Thursday as well, the New York City FC game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it is a huge uh, pain in the butt for, for East Coast fans. Um, I was looking forward to a Philly game so I could go out there when I was visiting family. Um, uh, Next year. I've, I've got the, the Texas stuff I can go to. Uh, there is basically all of the month of July, Minnesota United are home. Um, and so... That's kind of the best time, best time of the year. It'll be hot, but you know, not Houston hot. Um, and they don't, uh, they don't, they stop playing at home. I think October seventh or something like that. Um, so we don't actually get much cold weather. Uh, you know, it, it it's a pretty decent schedule for fans, at least. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. You don't get to use the uh, the weather as a weapon here, but hmm. they're playing on turf, and so that maybe maybe is part of it. Sure. Uh, last question comes from Ben McKenzie asking, "How would you line up the current Minnesota United lineup in a Quidditch match?" I won't pretend to know enough about Quidditch to give a full lineup. I don't even know how many Quidditch players are in a single lineup, but Abu Dunladi would definitely be my seeker. So there's that. I would have Mohammed Saeed has got to be the seeker, I think. Ooh. He's got the small sort of quick. That's 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 who I'd pick. Miguel, what the hell, guys? Oh, that's true. Miguel's another good one. <laughs> well, we don't we, we don't a have a, we don't have a keeper. So I, I mean, <laughs> I will just say, as someone who my uh, my post doctorate uh, returning to reading is uh, allowing myself to so rereading all of Harry Potter right now, um, and uh, Quidditch is stupid. It's the dumbest game <laughs> anyone ever created. So, <laughs> Alex, have you ever played Quidditch? I've never played Quidditch. Okay. Is it possible have, to play Quidditch? There's like a running there, LARP game there of are, Quidditch where yeah. you, you have a broom between your legs and you chase around. and you It seems with incredibly uncomfortable. There are leagues, yeah. yeah. Oh, there are leagues. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, is that it? And I went yeah, to a liberal arts school, a small liberal yeah. arts school. We didn't have a Quidditch team. I was really yeah, missing if, out. If any school was going to have I, it, I would have thought it would be Mac. Yeah, I would say like McAllister probably has three or four Quidditch. They've got their own Quidditch league <laughs> since since I, since I left. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, thank you guys for joining us. We had a lot to get through. Um, so next week, uh, hopefully, we'll we'll have the the slow languid uh, uh, podcast. Um, definitely that won't happen but uh, Alex uh, it was good chatting with you thank you yep and uh, Jeff good to see you as always yeah it's been a while uh, yeah I know Let's, uh, <laughs> we'll go catch up on some sleep but uh, uh, you can catch us on uh, Twitter I'm MNNiceFC I'm Jeff Ruder and Alex at Alex Chief there we are it's all all right there um, uh, we'll see you on the website 551 thanks everyone and uh, take care